Welcome everyone to the A Better Way to a Podcast. We are your hosts, Jordan and Andrew. And today we have Leodel Castillo, Tactical Unicorn. Oh, Thank man. you, Leo. Beautiful. <laughs> I think you have a future as a as an announcer, honestly. <laughs> Fantastic. Y'all are gonna have to catch the context of that joke in the Patreon if you want to be in on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Leah, thank you so much. We have to do our intros like that every time now. You should. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that just set a bar. Andrew, you think you can live up to that? I think I'll do it in the style of the Twilight Zone next time. All right, I like that also. <laughs> awesome. Leah. You are also known as the Tactical Unicorn on Instagram. That's where we found out about you. We started following you, I think, before you knew about us and were creepers for a little while, just lurked and read your posts. My introduction to her was the receipts about the one guy. Uh, God, I can't remember yes. his name now. Yes. Oh, yeah. I can't remember the his big, name the either, big, but. The big nasty drama post. Yeah, yeah. The high-risk fitness guy. Yes. That's yes, exactly where, that's how we met. Yeah, yeah, we, we met. I commented on <laughs> yeah. your post and was like, yeah, yeah. I commented on your post and, and was blown away at the amount of people who were in there defending this guy who had literal Nazi tattoos on him. And what was the point of that post? Do you, can you explain that real quick to people who don't know what we're talking about? To give more context behind why I made the post is through Airsoft, there is an event promotion company called Milsim West that specializes in like these hardcore military simulation games that are essentially very much like being in the field for a weekend. It's kind of like a a training exercise. A lot of people have compared it to that. And in order to, they have cadre for these events that are all military veterans. Most of them are combat veterans. And that's the only way that you can like be leadership within this organization. I've been going to their games for almost 10 years now and know the owners relatively well. And there is a member He was a cadre and he actually used to be like this super liberal pit bull activist dude that was also a Marine that was like had been an airsofter also for decades and that we all knew and were friends with. And then he was working for that company and then he got really into like he discovered like far right. Catholicism and like this whole like movement that's yeah Treadcast right yeah and once he started associating with that they kind of stopped working with him and then we were kind of just watching him because it was obviously kind of shocking as someone that we personally knew for a long time to watch them like delve further and further into this like far right extreme narrative and so we had like been just like talking with each other like this group of friends and joking with each other like dang he's really like drank the kool-aid because we would notice like oh he's getting these nazi tattoos he's doing nazi larps he's got this telegram that also a few people got into and saw like that he's saying all these things it's like it's clear that this is what he believes it was super clear because he's saying it and and emulating it for years and Admin results had come to a couple Milsom West games and they had reached out to Josh, which is one of the owners, and said, hey, I know that you guys had this falling out with Randy. Do you think it's okay if we work with him? And he was like, no, dude, like, here's my experience. My experience is that he is like a literal neo-Nazi or that he's becoming that. And 
then he collaborated with them anyway. So, so admin results was told specifically yeah. that like that they had had this experience with him, and I think that's really funny because admin results had, like came out and was like, "Hey, I've got no idea what any of you guys are talking about." Yeah, I I thought that was weird too, and it was also he was like, "I've been following you and I've liked your content for a long time. I don't know why you wouldn't have said anything to me." And I was like, "Well, I didn't say anything because you haven't followed me until I made this post." And you've never talked to me before, so like, I don't know what to do. Like, you've already talked. I would to- I randomly reach out to you and be like, "Hey, you're working with Nazis. Like, I, you, there's so many Nazis. You're gonna reach out to everybody." Yeah. So it was just weird to me that that whole experience was really weird because I was like, I don't think that what I'm saying is that controversial, but a lot of people took it as controversial just because they thought that I didn't know the person or that I was speaking out of turn, and it was just like. No, I, I I know this person. I know this person personally. Me and several other people do. And the only falling out that we had with this person was because that he started like spouting a lot of really extremist stuff and we didn't want to be associated with that. And that's why we don't talk to him anymore. One of the things from the receipt he posted was a screenshot of a text that he he sent somebody, I guess. That's like bragging about schizo ranting at his wife until he wore down her willpower and now she's like fine with Nazi symbols. Like, and I, I'm like, like, even, even if you're like joking about being into Nazi stuff, that's not a fucking brag. That's gross and weird. And I don't want to like hang out with somebody who does that to their, their partner. Yeah. Same. It was like a, it was a telegram chat that he has with like a bunch of other people that identify. Schizo Nazis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the weird thing though is like, do you follow Guerrilla Tactical? I'm not sure. That you're not everyone's in our little microcosm of the uh, the gun team reverse. <laughs> so they posted something recently. They made targets of Klansmen, Klansmen targets. They said uh, not in our neighborhood on the bottom of them. Oh. No, no, you're thinking of the hoodie. Oh, the, you're right. The you're right. In the hoodie. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. But they they made targets with Klansmen in them, and there were people, which you know is uncontroversial if you're okay with shooting human silhouette targets at all. You know, because Klansmen are like, it's like shooting at a zombie. It's like, they're not real yeah, people. Okay. If you're seeing <laughs> you a Klansman, you're in a situation where you probably want to shoot a Klansman. Exactly. <laughs> you know, they don't just show up in like hoods at like bake sales. Like they're not, yeah, they're not out here exactly. like peacefully marching in, in uniform. Like if you see the hood, like it's, it's go time. But there were people in the comments who were like, you know, like you're blowing this out of proportion. The clan hasn't been around. This isn't even that. Like this is cringe. Like, this, dude, I shoot at <laughs> like, battleships whatever. and fucking zombies when I go to the range, regardless of whether or not you're best friends with a Klansman. Doesn't hey, you're mean that we don't. This we zombie should. thing out of proportion. There's not actually yeah, real zombies. I don't know if you know this out there. Like that's a movie thing. That's it's not even realistic. realistic. <laughs> Shooting zombies. I don't know. It's so. It was, but there <laughs> were people having words. the same kind of reaction as they had when you posted these screenshots and pictures of his Nazi tattoos. People were coming. Yeah, in. they're like, I can't believe you would say that, Leah. Yeah. I can't believe you'd make this accusation. What a drama queen. Yeah, I mean, I did have a lot of people that were reaching out to me because they thought that I wasn't aware that it was previously associated with, like, Norse mythology and, like, Norse religion. Right, and that's always the sticky part when you're trying to, like, identify, like, Norse tattoos. Because like some there people is an do. overlap. Yeah, yeah. Right. Some people do just have Norse tattoos, and that's fine. But then when you take it with the totality of information, right? Like in context, 
a guy with Norse tattoos who does like Nazi LARP, who brags guy with about Norse tattoos making is his not wife be, make Nazi yes, cookies. He's not going to be know, bragging like, about his wife making Nazi cookies. You know, like there, those things in context, you're like, okay, maybe this is the Nazi tattoo. <laughs> I tried to tell so many people. I wouldn't just call out someone if they had like just one Nordic tattoo or they had just said like, one made one offhanded like joke, you know, because everybody makes offhanded jokes in group chats or somewhere. Not me, I'm spotless. <laughs> you guys heard it first. Leah makes Nazi jokes. <laughs> oh yeah, man! No, I know what you mean. Uh, listen, as a Jew, Jew jokes are one of my favorite things to listen to. If somebody has a good one that I haven't heard before, I will I will tip my hat. Yeah. <laughs> so that that's just what it was like. It was so hard to, like, differentiate and tell people, like, no, look, I understand. It's just when there's all of this evidence, when, like, the only Norse tattoos he has are ones that are associated with the Nazi party, then then that's when it's more of, like, a, hmm, maybe there's something else going on here. My experience with alt-right people is not complete, right? Like, these aren't my people, so this is from the outside. But my experience has been... There are real Nazis out there. There are also people who are just wacko rhydoids who are very comfortable making associations with Nazis. And so, like, it could be very possible that he's not, like, literally, you know, a textbook Nazi with all of the Nazi beliefs. You know, he's not reading from the fucking book, whatever the Nazi book is. I don't even know. That's what it's called, the Nazi book. Yeah, the Nazi book. Get it you, at know, he's not, Noble. you know, it could be that he's, like, not, like, literally a Nazi because— you know, people like Adam Waffen are a very specific kind of like really violent nihilist. It's like a specific thing. And it could be that he's not that, but that he is very comfortable making those associations because he's, you know, he's associated the traditional Catholicism with, you know, return to tradition and, and all this stuff. And and, and these things kind of like- Tradcast stuff that's just like played out in kind of a dog whistle at this point. Yeah. And they, they just kind of flow together. And so it's not enough for someone to be like, Leah, he's not literally a Nazi. You do know that, right? And it's like, okay, but if he's making these jokes and the joke is not on the Nazis, then like close enough, right? Like why the fuck does it matter? Yeah. And and regardless, like, is that somebody that you want associated and to be high profile or like to be associated with more high profile people within your hobby or industry? Like, obviously you don't, right? Like, obviously you don't want somebody that, is easily associated with that movement, even if you're joking about it. Like, you shouldn't be publicly joking about it, or, I don't know. I I just wouldn't want any of that associated yeah. with my movement right. in general, or my hobby. And it gets doubly uncomfortable. If you really want to, like, stand at the edge of the rabbit hole, Admin's brother, who, like, runs a church in Maricopa County, I think, is constantly writing like anti-gay and racist diatribes on Twitter as an official of this like church that is like family owned. And so the it's not enough also to be like, well, you know, admin doesn't, you know, he's, he's apolitical, right? Like he doesn't, um, he doesn't get into these things. He's just like hanging out with like cool people because like in the totality of the context of all of the people that they're associated with, like there are some really suspicious connections, right? And I'm trying, I'm not trying to be like a conspiratorial minded kind of guy, but it's like, you know, maybe there's a reason that he's comfortable with hanging out with a guy that got outed for being like super comfortable with Nazis. Still don't know what happened to building seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. People want to know. That's, 
that's kind of my viewpoint on it too. Like, sure, they might not be overtly like open about it, but they also encourage it to an extent in the comments, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. They're not being open about saying that they support these things or anything like that, but the people that are commenting definitely feel emboldened and supported by them. That's a big thing that we've mentioned before when we we brought this stuff up because we are obviously not, we don't have a couple hundred thousand Instagram followers, but I do a pretty good job of policing the comments, not for when people disagree on things and want to argue and stuff like that, because I want people to talk and, and to have discourse. But as soon as somebody starts throwing in like slurs or saying stuff that is just clearly trying to provoke somebody, suicide statistics or something like that, you know, I take care of that where, you know, you've got these guys that are, that are making a living doing this. And it's not big enough of an issue to them to have somebody policing the comments, getting rid of like people who are saying things like, I'm a racist, it's me, I'm the racist, and I'm a, I love admin, or I love grand, and whatever. Doing that to the image, because I feel like there's a part of that that is this edginess that is kind of sought after by, by these personalities. And whether or not they are or aren't that person, they're okay with those people sitting at their table. I agree 100%. And that's how I feel. And that's why I am trying to be more, out, or I have been outspoken because it's just like, I know a lot of people that I think it's hard for us to reach across the aisle. And I think it's hard for us to get people interested in our hobbies or passionate about what we care about when the most influential people in our industries are okay with associating or being known to associate with or like you said, sitting at a table with with extremists, basically. And that in turn gives everyone from the outside the perspective that we're all extremists in this in these hobbies. Right. Yeah, which they already think. Some people already think that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some people in the community actually think that. And it, it's it's tough because it's like in the grand scheme of things, it's a vocal minority that are expressing these extreme beliefs. But if everyone who disagrees with them isn't coming out and saying, hey, fuck this guy, then you've got no idea when you're looking at the silent mass of gun owners, you've got no idea how many of them are like that and how many of them don't agree. And it, it just adding more, more like noise to that, to that silence, I think is super important. Absolutely. I agree. So we didn't really do an introduction on you. We kind of just said that you were called Jack right the Unicorn in uh, <laughs> some of the drama on the Instagram yeah. version. We're just like one, one of the dramas. Balls deep in drama. Let's yeah. go. Um, pardon my French, but there's. Um, oh God, he's got a steel chair. <laughs> Give him the chair. Anyway, so you are big into airsoft. That's kind of your jam. How did you get involved with this to such a level that you are at now? And You've kind of developed a person out, like a name for yourself, and people know you from that. How, how'd you go from somebody who just picked up an airsoft rifle for the first time and turn into the tactical unicorn? Well, I got into airsoft actually just through a job. I had previously, I was living in NorCal, and I was working for in the college admissions sphere, and I got laid off from that job, and I was like desperately looking for any job because... In Northern California, especially in the Bay Area, unemployment won't even cover half your rent. <laughs> so I wanted to find a job as quickly as possible, and I found this airsoft distributor company. And I applied for that job, and I never heard of airsoft. And I went in to interview 
for the job. And since I was a, a female and in the Bay Area and was familiar with guns in in some aspect, I like went in for the job and they handed me an airsoft gun and I didn't put my finger on the trigger and they were really impressed by that. <laughs> They're like, oh That's my awesome. God, you have trigger control. You're hired. <laughs> <laughs> then I was like, well, I need to know more about what this is, that it's basically I'm going to be selling to businesses. And so I went and played an airsoft game and I was like, oh, my God, this is so fun. This is basically just like playing Call of Duty in real life. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> at that time, airsoft wasn't really big on social media at all, especially like Instagram. This was about 10 years ago. And so I had told the company we should be marketing these products on Instagram and they were like no that's not really our job we don't want to do that but if you want to do it you can so I just made an account to just market like the stuff that I was selling and it took off pretty quickly and then eventually I was able to leave that job and just basically work for myself just making airsoft content that's awesome so you had kind of a following from that original Instagram page and then you branched off and did your own? Yeah. I basically got in at like started at the right time, you know, before airsoft and guns and everything was being suppressed on social media. It was like a really a time of explosive growth for them. There weren't really hardly any girls that played airsoft. Like when I, whenever I would go to fields and stuff, I would not see anyone and I wanted to get more girls into it. So I was like, well, I'm going to highlight like that I'm a girl and that I play and that you can like be a girl and not look like a Michelin man or like, like a super... <laughs> I, I don't know, like you can have fun with it basically is what I was trying to like market and that seemed to like resonate with people. Well, it seems like it because you've got quite the following and you know, you're you're kind of like a like a go-to person it seems like for for a lot of people getting into airsoft. You've got a ton of content on your Instagram and a lot of informational stuff out there. I appreciate it. As somebody who knows very little about airsoft, I was telling you earlier that that my experience is extremely limited, but it's one of those things that I would love to get into, but for somebody who wants to, so say a gun owner, you know, somebody will just use me, for example. I, I'm familiar with guns, but I don't know anything about airsoft. How does someone get started in that? What's the best direction to go in and to start and to feel like you're really going in the right direction? I would, for a gun owner, I would advise like buying the airsoft version of guns that you already own. I think a lot of what sells a lot of like gun owners on airsoft is that it's training and that it's cheaper, much, much cheaper. And you can do it, you know, like in your backyard or, or whatever. So I advise like buying the airsoft version of, of whatever guns that you have. Also, if you don't want to do that, you can always just go to like a local indoor, outdoor field, whatever you feel more comfortable with. Just rent. You can rent a gun. You can rent like the Face Pro and everything and, and play a game. And they'll tell you, you know, like how to use everything. I would advise just doing that and seeing if you like it. Because for me, when I first started playing, like I had I had a terrible gun. I didn't, I didn't know how to like use my gear. I didn't know how to do anything. But it was just like the experience of like playing a video game in real life is what did it for me. So... I think it just depends on like what you want personally out of the experience of airsoft or like what intrigues you about it. There's different types of game, like, like with any hobby, there's, there's lots of different niches within it. 
So it kind of depends on what you want your experience to be or what you're interested in. And then you would kind of build from there because there's stuff from everything from like, they call it speed soft and it's more, more like paintball, feedball style playing. There are really LARP heavy games that focus a lot more on role playing. There are games that focus a lot more on just the military simulation aspect. There are all kinds of like games in between there. So it kind of depends on what experience you're looking for. When you say military simulation, do you mean like waiting around in a building to take a urinalysis while some guy <laughs> looks at you in the urinal or like the cool part? Totally. It's it's a lot of putting on all of your gear and waiting for three hours to like walk yeah. a long way. up and wait. Yeah, yeah. You you get a lot of that simulation from uh, <laughs> some like milsim games. And there's varying levels of like milsim and that even that is like a debate and like what that means to some people within the airsoft community. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's, you know, that's like the, the gun community. There's tons of different ways that you can go once you decide to own a gun. So that's that's neat that there's kind of a crossover there or or something relatable for Airsoft. I don't know if there's a rental place anywhere near me, like a field that I can go to, but there's got to be one within driving distance. You're in Connecticut, right? Oh, there is one in Northern Connecticut. But yeah, it's called OXCC. I've played there before. By the airport, right? Maybe. <laughs> it's been a while since I played there. Fair, I don't know. Fair. Is it cool? <laughs> yeah, it was cool. I prefer outdoor fields because I think it's more fun and I just like I'm an outdoor person I like being outside so uh that's what's more fun for me but I like ones where you can get like that will have like CQB areas and then they'll have like areas where you can do like woods ball or longer range or stuff like that yeah that sounds cool (laughs) yeah do you feel like the pipeline is airsoft to firearms or firearms to airsoft or do you think it kind of goes both ways It definitely goes both ways. I mean, I personally know several people that were really big into airsoft, then got really big into firearms, or they were really big into airsoft, and then they went into the military, came back. I know so many people that, (laughs) it's hilarious, they'll get back from, like, deployments, and they immediately want to go play airsoft. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're like, actually, it turns out real war is boring as shit. Let's do it. Yeah. 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 Or they're like, man, I want to play where like, I don't have to worry about actually dying. Oh yeah. Probably that actually. Yeah. Yeah. The risk benefit analysis is uh, is slightly more in your favor there. Yeah. (laughs) And I know a lot of like firearm people have gotten into airsoft purely for like the training aspect, especially like airsoft pistols function or like gas blowback, anything functions almost exactly. I've definitely thought about it. The same. I thought about getting the Airsoft uh, 320. Because Sig, Sig, yeah, sells, Sig, Sig makes them. Yeah, Sig like makes them, like manufactures Yeah, I haven't. Them. Do you like it? Like, is it a good alternative? Yeah, oh, not yeah. alternative, but is it a good option? I know like when gun companies make props or toys or, or I don't know the extent of Airsoft guns, but they usually suck. Well, you know, sometimes they'll like outsource. Well, I think they'll usually outsource it, but there's not always good oversight, so. Yeah, it's, Sig is different because almost all the other licensed airsoft guns that you see out there they're manufactured by basically an airsoft company that then goes and asks for like a license so like umarex manufacture has a license for glock and hk and so they build the guns and then they just pay like a, a licensing fee to hk and glock 
And then SIG wanted to make their own airsoft guns themselves. And they're not going through like a a third-party vendor, essentially, from what I understand. And so it seems like they're a little more hands-on in the development of it, which I, I think is cool. And it's smart of gun companies to do. I mean, more of them should honestly be doing it because a lot of people... A lot of airsofters will have an airsoft gun that they really like and then be like, oh, I want to buy the real version of that now. Yeah, that makes sense. I I go the opposite way because I I have certain guns and I've been super curious about trying airsoft, but I can definitely see why people would do that. It's like marketing, really. Yeah, that was, it's been like the funniest thing to watch airsoft grow at SHOT Show, for instance. (laughs) Like back when uh, my husband and I used to go to SHOT Show, like, 10 years ago, we would meet people like he has a a pretty big, he has a big channel. He's got like a a million and a half subscribers on YouTube and people would recognize him at SHOT Show like several years ago and they would talk to him and then they would be like, don't tell anybody that I'm an airsofter. I can't let, like, I can't let it get out. Like there were so (laughs) many closet airsofters. And now when we go to SHOT Show, there's a lot more people that are like, much more open about it. They're not scared of people finding out that they play airsoft. So I think that the rest of that industry is finally realizing like, oh, hey, we can also make money on all of these people too for like yeah. gear and, and all kinds of stuff. You were saying earlier how when you started airsoft, you, you really wanted to make it a point to show people that there were girls playing this, that there were that you're a woman and you're playing this kind of stuff. Did you have to adapt in any way off the bat in order to be comfortable playing airsoft? I know you had you had a recent post. Actually it wasn't too recent, but where you're talking about like something about the like the porter potties being super far away and like if you're menstruating or something like that. That's something dudes don't think about. And it's something that, you know, guys like, oh, I have to piss real bad, but like I'm not actively pissing my pants right now. I got, I've got time to walk a couple hundred yards. That seems to me like a glaring oversight for a, a community that is trying to attract more women to the sport. Is there anything that you like right off the bat had to adapt to in order to be able to do it efficiently? Yeah, I mean, there's tons of things because most gear, like especially when I first started playing, gear and clothing were not are not made to fit women's bodies. So... I know a ton of women that have like basically have to tailor their own clothes to fit. And that's also why kind of like I tried to get away from wearing like BDUs and some other stuff because none of it fit well. I mean, it'd be like pants that go up to like here and then like, I don't know, just nothing like was flattering. (laughs) And, you know, girls want to look like decent when they play or so I experimented a lot with like clothing and gear, first of all, to like find something that would work for a female body that doesn't necessarily work for a male body. You know what I mean? Works for a female body yeah. <laughs> that works well on a male body. And then, yeah, the, the other big thing is like, like I said before, is like you got to figure out a bathroom situation because if you're at, especially like at a weekend Milsim, you just got to figure out like how to take care of that without having access to like a porta potty or anything like that. And so I've figured out 
a few like ways to like go to the bathroom in the field without people seeing my butt, which is like my, my <laughs> fear, especially at night, like people with night vision walking up and seeing me all exposed trying to oh, go to the bathroom. Oh, that's so weird. That's something I would never even consider. Oh man, that's literally my biggest fear is getting shot while I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's happened to people. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm lucky in that I met my husband relatively early on in my airsoft career, and so I can take him with me to, like, be my battle buddy, to, like, look out for me while I'm using the bathroom or, like, (laughs) all my my lady stuff. (laughs) Also, for anyone that wants to know, if you need to take a dump in the field and you don't have access to a porta potty a poncho is great. You put it on, you dig your hole... And then your poncho covers your whole body and you can oh, yeah, do your smart. business without any. What happens if you have a messy one and it splatters inside the poncho? Do you just bury it with your shit? Bro, what <laughs> kind of shit are you taking where it's going to splatter up the poncho? Oh, no, I'm just saying like hypothetically. <laughs> hypothetically, what if you what if you get struck by lightning while you're taking a shit? What are you going to do? I feel what like are you that's gonna less do? I feel like that's less likely than taking a floppy shit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what do you do, you, Leah? <laughs> I don't know. I can't say that I've had that specific experience. But when Probably I did, not. It's incredibly specific. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> no, too much actually, fiber and it comes out at all angles. What angles are you shitting at? <laughs> you shit at one angle. I had an experience where I had food poisoning at an event and that was not that See? was not pleasant. Did you shit on your poncho? I did not. I See, made it Andrew? to the bathroom. But I was able to make it. I was I was like, I don't care what it takes. I'm getting to this porta potty and lucky. I'm staying there. there. Yeah. We used to dig holes by like tree stumps and so we can lean up against the tree, but it's an uncomfortable position because you're essentially doing a like a wall sit while you're it's it's not conducive to having a comfortable poop. Jordan, what you gotta do is find one of those stumps that's like like real soft and hollow out the inside, and then you can sit on it like a throne. And shit into the hole you just I would chis- never out. trust that soft stump <laughs> to sit my bare butt on. Dude, you're <laughs> Get halfway through the shit and the whole thing falls apart. No, dude, you know what lives in there? You imagine shitting and a centipede crawls up your nutsack? Oh, yeah. <laughs> nope, sorry, Leah. I would have no, I would very hunt, unprofessional of Andrew. I would never <laughs> poop on a stump either because. What about a hollow log? Bugs up in there. No, so you know what like is actually useful if you're okay with holding somebody's hand while you do it? If you find a log, and we used to have a poop log, and it was the log that <laughs> yeah, you, you sat on. Yeah, yes, you hold yeah. on to your friend, you hang over the log, and you poop on the other side of it, and that's you don't go on that side of the log, and you're fine. And you don't even need toilet paper. You just scrape your, your butthole <laughs> on the uh, bark of the log, and it cleans it. <laughs> oh, man. It's like a I dry bidet. I like to just stuff to hold on to. And then yeah, have like smart. see if I can have something like behind me too. Is there any merit to the shiwi? Oof, man! I haven't used it myself, but I've heard a lot of like mixed reviews about it. Like it takes a lot of practice, apparently. Really? Like, yeah. yeah, because if you don't have it situated exactly right, it's gonna like <laughs> you don't have like a hermetic seal. Well, yeah, yeah it seems yeah. like it seems like the, a really good way to get pee all over yourself, or a really good way to pee standing up. I've I've talked to a few girls that have tried it out and they've been like, eh, it's it's not that great because you also like then you have like a pee funnel that you're carrying around too. So even if you, <laughs> even if everything yeah. goes right, you still got you still yeah, got pee all over this fucking thing. You pee funnel like, you gotta, like, that you gotta like clean out and stuff. So it's just like 
I might as well just squat and not have to worry about like spraying pee all over my my pants. And I tell you what, I saw that thing come out and I was like, you know what? All right, now women have it all. They're equal. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, Jordan. <laughs> I don't think I have to explain that I'm kidding there. I, know. I was like, dude, I can finally pee standing up. I'm so excited. And then I heard from so many people that like you got to practice with it a lot, or your pee goes everywhere, and it just seems like seems like a very delicate balance to be negotiating when you're also worried about getting shot at. So that's it's something just I like, feel like you practice in the shower beforehand. Yeah, that's that's what everybody recommended. You got to practice a lot. Gotcha. Or it looks like somebody's like you're you're potty training a, a kid in the house and just pee yeah. all over the seat and the floor. <laughs> yeah, but then you still have your pee funnel that you got to like carry around yeah, exactly. and do stuff Fair. with. So it's like, I don't know. <laughs> so, man, there's so many places that we can go with this. <laughs> to, so you you posted something a little while ago where you were talking about how it's difficult as a female in the industry to get engagement if you're not showing skin essentially, or how it, it's, it puts you at a disadvantage to people who do. Because it's the same in the gun community also. I mean, it's, it's, there, are, there are tons of very well-established shooters who are women, but a lot of it has to do with when they came up in the gun tube sphere. Um, and, you know, like well, how like their, long their they've background been around. too. Like, you know, yeah, so like a, like a famous competition shooter can get engagement. Yes. But... You know, if you're a dude, if you're just like random and you post funny memes, you can get the same kind of engagement. So, you know, yeah, it's exactly. like, it's not, it's not exactly the same. No, no. But how do you think we get to a point where, you know, because I like in your post, you also said that you're not shaming women who do do that, but that's not you. And my question is how, how do we get to a point where women are on par with men in the gun industry, in the airsoft industry, where, you can you can drum up engagement by doing the same thing a guy does. You know, guys don't have to be wearing banana hammocks to do so. I wish I knew the answer to that question, honestly, because I feel like <laughs> I feel like if I do a lot of the same things that that guys in the in the industry do, then it's deemed as controversial, or I'm being like too abrasive, or. I'm well, they'll being, get Nazi tattoos. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but like in this industry, I've had the experience that if I treat dudes the way dudes treat each other, then I'm perceived in a negative light. If I embrace femininity, then I'm perceived in a negative light because it's all about being a woman. And it's just like, I don't know. Like, I honestly don't know how to like, how to make it more of an equal playing field other than to just like, more women have to just be out there doing the same thing that I'm doing. And I can't be like a lot of times I feel like within airsoft, especially that I'm the only person that will like talk about literally anything, but just airsoft or that I'll, that will talk about like issues or, or anything like that. And everyone else just wants to be hardcore. And then like, for instance, I was told when I was coming up that like, I used to like really embrace femininity because I wanted to get more women into it. And then people were like, well, you got to do the hardcore stuff. And then I did the hardcore stuff and I would upload like videos that other dudes were uploading. Like, here's me killing a whole squad. Here's me taking down this. And then people were like, why are you so full of yourself? You're just trying to like make fun <laughs> of men, blah, 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 wow. blah. Wow. 
I don't know, man. Like I'm, I'm trying to, I'm literally doing everything you guys are telling me that I should do. And then when I do it, you're like, why are you doing that? Why are you making a big deal about it? And it's just like, I'm not, I'm just literally just trying to do what you're doing, man. Yeah. So it's, it's funny. Cause uh, so like a guy does something and he's just doing something when a woman does something, she's doing something as a woman and making a statement, you know? <laughs> it's like you can't just like fucking exist. You can't just like fucking exist and like do a thing because it's like you know like oh she's getting all political now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh war. Yeah. It's like war of the sexes stuff. Like no, it's not. <laughs> she's just fucking like she's just trying to play a game. Like leave her alone. And I mean, I do highlight my gender a lot, and people are like, "Why do you do that?" And my response is like, "It's SEO, man. Like if I want to get more women into airsoft, I have to like put that in the title." that I am a girl playing airsoft doing X because when people go to search, like for instance, when I went to search for, to try to find more women in airsoft, I would search like airsoft girl, airsoft girl does blah. You should do a video title, airsoft goddess humiliates male cucks (laughs) and see how they like that one. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah, they would not like it. I have one already that's like airsoft girl destroys whole squad, and they and that that was that was males. too. <laughs> <laughs> you should just you know what you know what the you know what the cheat is the way around all this market yourself as a sigma female and and all of this goes away. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna okay. be like, oh, I get it, I get it. I'll try that for the next post, and then if it doesn't work, it's all your fault. Yeah, that's right. You just, blame like, just blame us. Just blame us. Fucking Andrew told me to do it. <laughs> hey there, everybody. We hope you're enjoying the episode. If you do like what we're about and want to support us, our Patreon is a fantastic way to do so. It allows us to improve the podcast in many ways and helps fund our alcoholic coffee beverage stash to assist on those late night recording sessions. Now, you may be thinking, This podcast has me absolutely smitten and I would love nothing more than to throw money at you. But what's in it for me? Well, I'm glad you asked. When you become a patron, you automatically get access to an exclusive collection of clips from the podcast not heard anywhere else. On top of that, we have a wide range of tiers available that will get you merch, discount codes, and even free gear delivered to you monthly. For any patrons currently listening to this, we are super thankful for your support and for keeping the dream alive that one day I will be able to meet Andrew and make sweet, sweet podcast magic with him in person. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash a better way to a in the episode notes for the podcast or on the link in our Instagram bio. All right, now that's all for that. Back to the show. Andrew and I have spoken about toxic masculinity before in the podcast. A couple times. Once or twice. In reference to certain people's attitudes towards others in the gun community, just in general, talking about mental health, talking about how we treat other people, how we react when people who are different from us and make us uncomfortable enter our space. It's all encompassing. And I think that your experience is no different. I think that a lot of this negative content that you've gotten as a result of doing what you do is people who are uncomfortable. And I think it's no clearer than the fact that you go to these events and you don't see other women there. Whenever you have a community of people that are isolated and that are only around a certain group of people, they don't have that worldly view of things around them. It's very specific and niche. And when something that threatens that way of life, so to speak, comes into that sphere, I think a lot of guys just are biologically wired to feel threatened. And 
we don't hit people over the head with rocks anymore. We talk shit on YouTube and Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's kind of like what's going on here. And, you know, like you say in SEO and saying that you're a woman doing this, I think it's important because I think the main way to get that to change is just to get more women into Airsoft. I don't think it's necessarily that you have to change the minds of the men, which would be great. And I'm sure there are guys who are more open to it now than before, but it would also help immensely just to get more women into it, get people who are naturally into the stuff that you post. And just the fact that you being a woman is inspirational to them. If you can get guys to be on board, that's a plus. We support you, obviously. I love to see women into guns. You know, that's just something that's cool to me in this community where for so long it's been either discouraged or called like unladylike, you know, because the man's the protector and the woman's the caregiver. Mm -hmm. So when I see somebody who's a woman or presenting, it rocks to me. I'm all for it. And I definitely know that I'm not the only person that feels that way. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I know that I'm never going to be able to speak for women in this group. And the only way for people who want to come into this community to do that is to get people who can speak for them. And for a lot of people, women, that's other women. Yeah, I agree. And that's why a lot of the content that I try to steer is like trying to get more women into the hobby. And it has worked. It's just it grows on such an incremental scale because it's basically a bunch of women trying to break into like the boys club. And of course, there's going to be a lot of pushback with that. And there's going to be a lot of competition within that. And there's people that want to be seen as like, oh, no, I'm like the cool girl. I only associate with the dudes. These are all my friends. I'm not into that feminist stuff of like bringing attention to the fact that I'm a female. And so like, Of course, stuff like that also is detrimental to getting more women into the hobby because we want to be able to like be ourselves and be independent and be women in a hobby. And I wish it could grow faster, (laughs) but it has. I see more women at events now all the time. Like it used to be I would only see like one to two women at an event and now I'll see like 10 to 20 maybe at an event. That's huge for me, just seeing any other woman at an event. And it's really exciting. And I think just the more that we can support each other. And a lot of women have also told me that they don't get into it because they see how women are just like dragged in this hobby. And it's like, you're a gun bunny, even if like you don't show skin. I don't know, like people call me a gun bunny all the time. I'll show skin every now and then, but not often. Or they talk down to us all the time too. No one likes that. (laughs) But the crazy thing is like, this goes back to the whole threatened thing is like you being a woman in Airsoft, it should be irrelevant whether you choose to show skin or not, or how you dress, any of this stuff. The fact that you're in the community means you're a community member. And whether you dress a certain way or promote yourself in a certain way should be irrelevant if you're enjoying the game, promoting the game and interacting with people in the community. That's just crazy to me. It's not crazy to me because I understand why people do it, but it sucks and it's lame. And I'm glad that you're pushing back. Because there's not this commentary on how other dudes dress within these industries. Not that often are people being like, oh my God, you wore this or you wore that. Like they do with women in these industries, for sure. This is something that I kind of dropped the ball on earlier, but I wanted to say that the way that you dress in Airsoft, I've seen that translate now over to guys who want to express themselves that way. And you know what the fucking sick shit is? Nobody gives these guys shit. I know! (laughs) Not that they should. But once again, men have not earned their privilege. They just have it. People are dressing all fabulous and fancy now. Now I can do that. 
And they just yeah. sort of roll right in and fit right in and it's fine because they're dudes and they can do whatever they want. Is fabulous and fancy a thing? Like, do you look up fabulous and fancy airsoft equipment? <laughs> no, would you believe that it comes to me in Instagram recommendations because I'm just a fabulous and fancy dude and Instagram knows? <laughs> yeah, clearly. That's exactly what I would send you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to support what you were just talking about, when I first started playing, I would wear like, Somebody brought me a little kid's bicycle helmet that was a unicorn, and I would wear that at games sometimes, and people would get so mad about it, so mad about it, because I wasn't, like, taking it seriously enough. You're right. Like, this is very serious business, guys. Yeah, and then, like, I would wear costumes to play airsoft, and people were like, that's so controversial. I can't believe you're doing that. You're, like, being so controversial right now. And sponsors wouldn't want to work with me because I was so controversial about wearing costumes. So that's just always been a theme with me. Aren't these dudes wearing costumes? Isn't the camo that they put on for one weekend every couple months a costume? Exactly. But they want to be immersed. They want to feel like mercenaries, marines, <laughs> or whatever the fuck. You know, they want to be like hard men among hard men. And yeah. then they see some chick like having fun and they're like, bro, this brings me right out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot women existed for like a second and you fucked it up, Leah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so then I started like, okay, since you guys are so mad that I'm doing these costumes, I will do like impression kits. And so then I would do like military impression kits. And then another dude, Airsofter, came up that was a dude and he would wear like costumes to games. And people were like, oh, this is so cool. I can't believe you're doing this. Yeah. <laughs> what the heck, man? <laughs> I've been doing this and you all were like dragging me for wearing costumes and then a dude does it and you're like, it's the coolest thing ever. And now it's like, not that I knock this at all because I fucking love it. I've seen so many people dressing up as the Mandalorian ever since the Mandalorian came out and doing normal gun shit and nobody's giving them shit for it because you're dressing up as this like alpha male fucking Mandalorian who's a fucking Disney character at this point because Star Wars is owned by Disney. You're not going to give somebody the same kind of reprieve if they dress up like Winnie the Pooh but that's the same thing that's a costume and nobody cares you dress up as something and people give a shit it's super lame yeah it's <laughs> weird lame bunch of goobers out there saying lame things imagine being upset it's so hard to navigate the sphere because it's like any other hobby you know like there's gatekeepers at every level you see this in the gun community all the time too like you can only train this way you can only use this shooting stance. This is the only way to go. And like, there's that within airsoft everywhere too. Like, this is the only way that you should play airsoft. You got to play this way or you got to do this in order to be like serious. And it's just like, come on guys. It's a game. Go start your own fucking hardcore realism league. Like, get out of here. <laughs> oh, like it's in Vegas. What's it called? It's where you shoot each other with Sims and then you like wrestle each other. Oh Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to me. <laughs> They're like, Airsoft isn't doing it for me anymore. I need more pain. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine like tricking your friends and be like, yeah, we're going to play Airsoft. And then it's simunitions and you beat the shit out of them. <laughs> like, <laughs> to be fair, that has a ton of training merit. No, I know. No. Imagine like doing it as entertainment and how fucking wild that could get. Mm -hmm. I would love to trick my friends into thinking we were playing paintball and then hand them a simunition gun. <laughs> Just let them know that their world is about to be rocked. If you guys do this at your bachelor party, you don't even have to pay me. You can have that idea for free. Yeah, seriously. 
we did paintball at my bachelor party and they had this thing that I would definitely not do if it was simulation called the gauntlet. Yeah. You've heard of this? I'm familiar. <laughs> the way this dude pitched it to me was, all right, your entire bachelor party, I had eight guys, gets to shoot you. You don't have a gun and you have to run from one end of the field to the other. And I was like, that's fucked up. I don't want to do that at all. But then the second round is that you're the only one with a gun and they have to tag you to get out. <laughs> and it was so worth it. My dad was in my bachelor party. I shot him in the fucking head. <laughs> my cousin was in my bachelor party, dude. The video I have of him, I stopped shooting him once he got too close because I felt bad. <laughs> he just wouldn't give up. It was point blank. I was lighting this dude up. He was running towards me, trying to block with his hands, blindly <laughs> trying to tag me. And I just stopped shooting. His fingers are just snapping dude, off. One by I one. just stopped shooting him because I felt bad. My oldest friend, who happens to be a girl, her name's Annie, and she is four foot ten of just pure spitfire. She was in my bachelor party. I was like, I'm not excluding you because you're not a groomsman. You're a groomswoman. You're my oldest fucking friend. She was there. I shot her in the face. It was so much fun. That's actually something that I tell to get other women into airsoft. I will sometimes be like, man, you get to shoot your husband. You get to shoot your kids. You get to shoot all of these other people. So therapeutic. <laughs> and it's legal. <laughs> and fun. <laughs> what about like a butt stroke? Is that legal or not? Is that frowned upon? Uh, that happens a lot. <laughs> okay, fair. By accident. <laughs> yeah. Air quote. We talked about controversial stuff in the beginning, and I would love to bring up some more controversial stuff, which we spoke about in our message. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. I'm trying to find it right now because I want to quote you. We're not going to be adversarial about this. Yeah. We're very anti-gun control people, but we're not here to like embarrass anybody. But I do <laughs> want to know, I just wanted you to elaborate if you could. Um, there was an ESPN interview, I think. I think it was literally just like, yeah, I agree with more gun control and expanded background checks. And like people on Instagram did not like this. Yeah. <laughs> this was a bad time in your comment section from what I understand. I mean, it was a long conversation that we we're having. And so obviously she's taking snippets of what I've been saying. This reporter was interviewing me over the course of like almost two years that this article was in the works. And so she would like periodically call me. And especially she would call me after like tragedies happened. Isn't that fun? Some horrible thing happened somewhere else to somebody you don't know. And someone's like, I want your opinion on it. <laughs> yeah. But also she had seen that I've always been open about this and I've posted about it. And I think like after Uvalde, I've made like a longer reel where I posted my thoughts on it and like what's happening. Like, obviously we have a problem in America and like what's happening I posted this reel and it was like over a year and a half ago. And I said a lot more things than like what I said in that ESPN article. And I mean, people said a lot of stuff, but there wasn't like this attack on me like there has been over this past month. Like this past month, there's been a small group of people that have just been like on the war path against me. And they want to make sure that I lose like all of my income, all of my jobs, that I never can work in this industry again. And it's just like, these are the same people that were like screeching at me about cancel culture, like just a couple months ago. Yeah, for sure. And now they're trying to like make sure that I can never work in this industry again. It seems pretty hypocritical to me. But intellectually dishonest. Yeah. You can understand that 
and a community based around guns that like talk about gun control can be a pretty touchy subject. A hot button issue. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that's like a verbatim quote in that ESPN article. Yeah. I think you did actually yeah. say that. Talking about gun culture specifically, it was a hot button issue. This is a hot button issue. I really don't want to talk about it, but here are my personal thoughts and personal feelings. Just to be clear, this isn't you being an activist for gun control. Right. This isn't like, hey, here's my form letter that you can send to Gavin Newsom to support his constitutional amendment or something. You know, it's literally just like, hey, you're asking my opinion. So here it is. I like to ask people this because I know as a gun owner where I stand on gun control, I also agree that we have a gun violence issue. But I think where we might disagree is that I don't necessarily believe that legislation fixes that. What do you think is the way to move forward to address the issue that we have? Because we clearly do. Ignoring it doesn't make it go away. Yeah. The thing that I have been advocating the most is that we have to talk about it at minimum. The thing that really bothers me is that most people don't seem willing to even talk about it or even acknowledge that we have a problem. Like, for instance, when I say that, like, I want to talk about it, I'm just met with, like, you should lose your job, you should lose your career, you should lose your finances, you should never work here again. When you say talk about it, you mean talk about the mass shootings, the gun crime, the suicide, right? All of it together. I think that trying to compartmentalize it into, like, we have into just one thing is kind of disingenuous because right, right. there's so many factors that go into like making up how laws get made or why violence is an issue and why people have access to it. Maybe why we have such a problem with mass shootings compared to other developed countries. And it seems like if we even like bring up the fact, for instance, if I bring up like, hey, I want to be able to at least talk about this, it seems to be a problem. A lot of mass shootings seem to stem from people that are really mentally unwell in some capacity. We need to figure out how to address that. Even just talking about that is offensive to a lot of people. And we have to be able to yeah. talk about like a lot of really, really difficult issues while also being respectful of one another and being respectful of one another's beliefs. That's the hard part. One of the reasons so many people don't want to talk about this at all is because they are used to not having respectful conversations. Yeah. You say like, yeah, I think that some of these shooters are mentally unwell. Well, then you have people that are deeply invested in mental health issues saying, well, actually, people with mental health disorders are, by and large, not a threat to anybody. And these are complete outliers. If you want to be like, I think that maybe there's some legislation that we might be able to trim around the edges of this problem. You get people that are like, not one more law. The Second Amendment is my carry permit. I totally get all of these people, but we've run into it too. And we were actually just recording with somebody yesterday where we talked about this, but we've talked about it on the show a bunch of times where it's like, so America's a violent place. Obviously, there's a systemic cultural problem. When we start to get into conversations with like people who are like pro-gun control, they want action now. They want something done right now to fix the problem completely. And when we start to say like, well, hey, maybe the problem is a little deeper than legislation. Maybe it's going to take a few generations to solve. Maybe we need to be teaching our kids emotional regulation. There's like a lot of things and maybe it's not going to be a quick fix. And maybe the quick fix that you want is maybe do more harm than good. We get the same thing. The like, you know, well, you just want kids to die. Because your inaction right now is the acceptance that like you're okay with this. That's what we heard. We just heard the New Mexico governor say that, you know, when she passed this bullshit law, prohibiting people from carrying in public, which just got overturned and 
castrated, essentially. She's like, any resistance to what I'm trying to do means that you hate kids and want them to die by gun. Well, and that's kind of what she said. She's like, well, the police are refusing to do anything. She was saying that the police have voted against every gun control law that I've proposed because her view is that the law is the only way to achieve results. When somebody else who votes against it might be saying, no, there's other ways to do this, but it's not going to be immediate and it's going to take actual work. It's not just going to take the stroke of a pen. I understand where you're coming from because I think acknowledging a problem is the first step to fixing a problem. A lot of guys in the gun community, you're like, hey, there's a lot of shootings. And they're like, no, don't talk about it. Must not acknowledge this. Must not speak of this. Me personally, I get emotionally jaded to this stuff because I'm so used to whenever there's a mass shooting, calls for gun control. Not questions as to why this kid who has been on the FBI watch list for three years was able to access a gun and the FBI didn't do their job. We hear more about gun laws than we do about accountability. And we do about family being able to identify the problems before they turn into real problems and friends and community and the schools. And I think it's, we get to an impasse when we talk about community constantly, but we don't want to put any of the responsibility on the community. And we say, no, 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 it's an individual responsibility. I call bullshit on that because we look at the case like Adam Lanza with Sandy Hook. He should not have had a fucking gun. His mom should have known that he shouldn't have had a gun. I blame his mom. I'm sorry to say, like, yeah, there are people out there. No, no, no. If you dig into the story, there were like warning bells. There were like alarms going off. The dad was like, this is a problem. Something's going on with my son and his mother. You get this picture of a loving mom who cared about her son, who was not willing to admit that he had these deep emotional issues and coincidentally also did not secure her firearms. Yeah. And that's one of those things that, especially with mental health, I can see why people would get defensive though, because I don't think having somebody who is not mentally sound or mentally competent. Schizophrenic people do not go on shooting sprees. No. But when people think about dangerous mental health, they think like, oh, it's schizophrenic, like the crazies. Those are the problem. It can be very difficult, I think, for people that are deeply emotionally invested in like the care of the mentally ill to then start hearing, hey, maybe those guys are the problem without the nuance that the topic deserves. I agree. On this topic, everybody is, like you said, deeply emotional on both sides of the coin. And there seems to be just like a huge desire for everybody to want to be able to just like identify one single problem or two single problems and that will fix everything. That's clearly not the case. If it was a black and white subject, we'd be able to fix it like that. But it's not a black and white subject and we can't fix it like that. And like you said, it's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of research. It's going to take a lot of education. And in our culture, we want things and we want them now. And when we can't have them now, then it's a big issue. You go on Instagram and yell about it. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like people just don't want to talk about it at all. On the opposite side of the coin, my viewpoint on like gun control is that I think everyone should be able to own a gun, but I don't think we should all feel like we have to own a gun in order to protect ourselves. I don't want to live in this wild west of a country where you literally just need to carry a gun to protect you because violence could break out at any point. I feel like that's the point that a lot of pro-2A people make is that we just need to arm everybody. And I don't necessarily agree with that. Like, 
there's lots of people that maybe shouldn't own guns or they don't want to. And if you don't want to, that should be okay. You should still be able to like survive and get through life and not have to worry about dying whenever you go to anywhere with a lot of other people. That's interesting because I've never really thought about it like this because I'm one of those people that say an armed society is a polite society based on the thought that, you know, you don't fuck with people who you think might have a gun on them. And I believe that, but I also generally say, you know, if you feel unsafe to get a gun, if that's appropriate for you, obviously people know themselves more than I do, but it is interesting to look at it as a symptom of a problem and not the solution. Also, an armed society is a polite society. I also believe that. But I think that when Heinlein said that, he wasn't imagining a society starting from dysfunction. I think that what he was talking about was that all other things working properly, if society is like generally armed, and that doesn't mean that everybody has a gun. That means that you know that you're living in a society where people can carry guns, that individuals might be a little bit less likely to commit mischief or start fights. I don't think that that was a commentary on whatever the problem is, more guns will solve it. No, I agree. You know, you look at typically gun owners are more polite and less adverse to committing crimes, like assaulting people and getting into fights yeah, in yeah. public and things like that. Compare the rates of criminality between licensed concealed carriers and police officers. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I agree with you there. <laughs> I'm just saying that it is interesting to think about it in that light because I've said before, in a perfect world, nobody would feel the need to carry a gun. But unfortunately, we live in a world where people do, you know, because bad things are happening all around us. And it's funny, I posted something the other day about Schrodinger's gun, where I said that it's simultaneously a weapon of war while being useless against the military. In the same light, I think this Schrodinger's gun control thing, where people will look at you and say, you're crazy for thinking you need a gun. But then in the same breath, say, gun violence is absolutely uncontrolled. (laughs) Yeah. We live in a violent society and shame you for feeling the need to protect yourself. I do think that we need to figure out why we live in a violent society. And the truth is we live in a safer society now than we have in a long time, with the exception of the last few years, because everybody was cooped up and angry. But I think also it's like, okay, look at the last few years and why we took that dip. And you might have a sort of window into the larger problem of American violence. Yeah. I just want to say before we move on from it, I think it's ridiculous that saying that you want to live in a world where you don't feel like you have to protect yourself all the time. Controversial. I don't understand why that's controversial. No, that is weird. I think if you hear that and you take like personal offense, I think you're too deep in the fucking tactical sauce. (laughs) There's a lot of these fucking gun guys that are very much like apocalypse, civil war LARP, you know, and they're like just waiting for things to touch off because they think that they're going to be more at home in that kind of world. Meanwhile, they're just going to be loot drops. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, I'm sorry, guys. That's not going to work the way you think it is. And also, it's a really unhealthy way to live your day-to-day life. And it's rubbing off on the rest of us. And it fucking sucks. So grow up. Yeah. Living your life with that level of paranoia. That's what I feel like it is. You're living this very paranoid life. And that will enable you to probably snap a lot easier and make a dumb decision with your gun. Like some of the instances that we saw where property owners like shot kids that knocked on the wrong doors. Mm -hmm. You're way too paranoid at that point. And we need to like move beyond that. One of the things that you said was that you're in favor of expanded background checks. And this isn't me being argumentative. I'm not trying to, why do you hate America, Leah? Why are you trying to take all our freedoms? God dang it. How would a background check prevent something like that? If somebody's never committed a crime before until they get to the point where they snap, 
and that's their first crime. How's a background check going to prevent that? For me, and I know this is going to be also, again, a little bit controversial. Let's go. (laughs) I think we need to, and I don't know how to make this work yet. And so that's why this, what I think definitely has holes in it, because I don't have all the answers. Spoiler alert, we're not career politicians here. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but I've seen several cases and I know of several cases of people who have been committed for either having mental breaks and being a threat to society or themselves, then they are still able to purchase firearms. Yes. And then they can use those firearms to commit a lot of violence. And I think that's a problem. And we need to figure out how to stop that from happening. And maybe finding out if someone like the shooter in Florida, like he was committed for being violent. Which one? Maybe if we had had a way to like stop him from owning guns before or to even not even stop him from owning guns but like to help him there's so many avenues of ways we can help these people and prevent stuff from happening typically when people say expanded background checks what they're talking about is banning private sales of guns but it sounds like what you're talking about is strengthening background checks can't remember the the name of it it's like fix nicks which died I actually think that that's a little bit unfortunate. And maybe this is just my fucking trauma talking because the Sutherland Springs shooting hit really close to home for us. We had friends in the backyard chicken community that were killed at that church. The guy that built the trailer that we took pigs to slaughter in was the guest pastor who had half of his family wiped out that day along with him. When I found out that the guy that did the shooting was a prohibited possessor because he got dishonorably discharged from the Air Force for beating the shit out of his wife, after he was dishonorably discharged, bought the gun that he used in that massacre because the Air Force just didn't report the discharge to Nick's, which was their policy because they didn't want to fuck over the people. I don't know, some sort of like paternalistic, like, oh, I don't want to ruin this guy's life, even though they were required to do that, but there was no mechanism to enforce it. So they didn't, spoiler, and he was able to buy a gun and murder a lot of people. So this is something that I've talked about before. It's been on my mind a lot. I think it's really strange that dyed-in-the-wool gun control politicians are always talking about adding new laws when they don't really seem interested in fixing the enforcement of the laws that we have now so that background checks, like buying a gun from a dealer, works the way that it is supposed to and that you can catch people that have these obvious black marks on their records that signify that they really are unsafe people. Yeah, I've talked about that kind of... Usually whenever I talk about gun control, I talk about the same thing. I was also featured along with my husband in a Vice News story. And that was another thing that we talked about. There are so many laws on the books right now that just aren't being enforced or they're not being properly enforced. And a lot of violent felons or violent people are able to slip through the cracks and that shouldn't be the case. But I also feel like it seems like on both sides of the spectrum, people are even unwilling to like talk about and come together and talk about these issues and be like, look, we have feelings on both sides. We need to be able to talk about it. 100%. That's been a huge goal of ours is to talk to gun control advocates and try to figure out, you know, where they stand. The reasonable ones. We're not talking about the ones who are like, we're coming for your guns and we're going to sick the cops on you if you disagree. Those people are just no different than the ones on our side who are posting pictures of lynching politicians whenever they mention anything about gun control. Like there's crazies on both sides. But what we should be doing and 
you know, if you've got a good way of doing it that works for you, let me know. Cause I've tried reaching out to a lot of these people and I'm not going to stop by any means, but a lot of them don't seem interested in talking to us. And I know why it's because every experience they've had with gun owners has been negative. They're so used to being screamed at because they don't know everything because they don't know to call a magazine a magazine because they don't know the difference between semi-automatic and fully automatic. People yell at them and then they get this negative taste in their mouth when talking to gun owners. So they avoid us. And I don't blame them for doing that. And I don't blame gun owners for not wanting to talk to gun control people because of the experiences they've had with these wackos that are just emotionally unhinged when it comes to gun control, which is again, a result of trauma. But there is a difference between somebody who you're able to have a conversation with and somebody you're not. And, you know, I'll be frank, your trauma is unavoidable. Unfortunately, it's something that it sucks that you've gone through, but it's not society's job to navigate around you as a result of it. And that's something that, you know, if we want to contribute to this community and we want to really have a marketable difference when talking to people, we have to figure out how to talk to each other and how to actually work with each other, regardless of what's happened in the past. And yeah, I'm a huge proponent of that. I commend you for having these desires, even though they don't drive well with everybody in the community. I think the intent is really what matters. I can tell that you're not someone coming at this from the point of view of, I hate gun owners and I want to punish them for owning guns. Because those are like the people that want to add these crazy taxes to guns and ammo and want to make it so that we're like second class citizens. And you always get the sense that they're just secretly afraid of poor people. (laughs) Yeah. It's not the sense. It's like, I don't think they realize what they're saying half the time. I get that you're not that kind of person. And that's exactly what I said when you were messaging me saying, hey, just to let you know, ESPN did this article on me. You know, just want to make sure that's what I told you. Then I'll tell you, no, intent is everything. Because if your intent is like, hey, I just want people to be safer and I'm willing to have a conversation about it, that's something we can work with. And when it gets to the point where we have to make decisions that are going to infringe on people's rights, then we have another conversation. That's how it works. It might not go as far as the first one, but it's effort and it's constant effort. It's like a relationship. You don't just agree on things in the beginning of the relationship and say, this is where I stand and I'm never budging again. Yeah. At some point you might have to convince your wife that it's okay to make Nazi cookies, you know? Yeah. You after just, working really hard at work. it, you know, progress, eventually okay? she's going to cave. Eventually she'll just be so browbeaten and depressed that she'll just do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. For me, I just wish that we could, as a community on both ends of the spectrum, just stop using like such extremist rhetoric against one another and it seems like from both sides of the spectrum we have this tendency to like take things way out of context and then post them without context and then post all of this like extremist language or rhetoric that goes along with it and then we like to harass the other side and that happens both from the right and the left and I would like to see more people act like adults rather than like angry teenagers. Like I feel like that's what both sides are really doing right now. It's just they're mad teenagers just like hurling insults at one another. And we're not making any progress that way. We're not getting anywhere. We're not convincing anyone to come to our side because we're all acting like freaking lunatics. And I just want more people to stop acting like lunatics and act like grown adults that can like have conversations with each other. Use your inside voice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Use your big boy words. I have found that treating people like children usually doesn't make them happier. Although it is entertaining when it's deserved. Right. (laughs) 
I had a friend of mine the other day who wasn't angry at me, but he was getting emotional about something. And I said, ooh, big feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Normally it wouldn't work on somebody who was yelling at you in the street, but it got a laugh out of him. So I'm happy that that worked. I hear you. And I think you should keep doing you because I think the message behind it is important. That's the thing. We all want to not need guns, regardless of how much we like shooting guns. I think whether you're saying this person shouldn't have been allowed to have a gun, so there's clearly a hole here that needs to be looked at, or you're the kind of person who's saying we need to be more available as a community to help people in crisis. I don't think the message is different. I think the actions might be different, but I think the result is the same. It's less people dying. It's people being safer. I think people need to be more open to, I'm not saying be more open to gun control, but be more open to people's ideas and listen to what they're saying. Listen to the intent behind what they're saying. Yeah. It could be that maybe you're talking to someone who doesn't want to kick in your door and take all your guns. Maybe you're talking to someone who really does just have some thoughts and feelings and ideas. Mm-hmm. Like you guys and like Steven was saying on your episode with him, the writer from Reload, context means everything. And if we just react to people without any context, then we're not making any progress because we're not understanding the situation. And we need that context in order. And we need to be able to talk to people and gather that context and find that out instead of just being so reactionary, which is, I feel like, where we are right now. And I think that part of the problem, too, is that some people don't want progress. They want to, like, pause. And I understand that impulse because it's like, if you're afraid of where things are going and right now things aren't terrible for you personally, I can totally understand the impulse to be like, just stop. Just stop having the conversation. Stop passing laws. Stop changing things until I die. But they kind of forget or they forget or they don't care, I guess, that things might be fine for you, a straight white guy in rural Kentucky or whatever, but it's not great everywhere for everybody. Dang. I thought straight white guys were the most oppressed of everyone. We would certainly have you believe that. Damn yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's all on your shoulders. Ah! Caring society like Atlas. We're almost at the 10th iteration of the war on Christmas. It's coming up in a couple <laughs> months. So war on Christmas vet, six years running here. Still hasn't ended that I'm war. I'm fighting the war on Thanksgiving. Fuck the pilgrims. I fucking love coming together with my family and eating dinner around the table, Andrew. You'll have to pry that turkey out of my cold, dead yeah, hands. Yeah, that's fine, but if I see pilgrim imagery, that's a karate chop. We don't decorate for any holiday, except for Christmas. We're not Latter-day Saints or anything. We do like some holidays here. We do Halloween, fall, and Christmas. Fall's not a holiday. It's a white girl holiday. <laughs> yeah, fuck off, dude. <laughs> Leah, you would get along with my wife because she fucking she loves She also fall. is a woman. <laughs> You guys are pretty much the same. I mean, that's, you know, what else do you need? You're a woman. You guys would like. (laughs) Talk. Be friends. (laughs) We went to this town pumpkin festival today, local to me, and they had this tent with candles. And I looked at her immediately. I was like, honey, $10 candles. Look, apple scented candles, pumpkin scented candles, fall scented candles. Go run. And she's just looking at me like, what do I do? I buy candles. Yeah, she loves that shit. We have a pumpkin scented candle upstairs right now. It's probably burning. Now, is it pumpkin or is it pumpkin spice? Because a lot of people don't know pumpkin spice doesn't taste like pumpkin. It tastes like the spices you put in pumpkin pie. I prefer pumpkin spice to pumpkin, to be honest, but I still don't like pumpkin spice coffee. Yeah. She's like, I don't give a shit. I don't fucking care what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I just told you I like fall. I don't give a shit about your fucking nuanced smells. Uh, I don't want to fight the pumpkin spice wars right now. (laughs) (laughs) We've got enough going on on Instagram. Yeah. (laughs) 
There's some controversy for you. Come out and say that you're against pumpkin spice. Not on my podcast. Yeah, don't do it here. We don't want to be guilty by association. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you're already going to be. You had me on your podcast, so sorry. We're all over now. (laughs) We've talked to a cop. We've talked to, like, communists. Who else is, like, fucking anathema? Starlet's not a cop. Well, you know, you listen to the fucking comment section. Oh, I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Oof, right? That's what I appreciate about you guys is like you're one of the few people that will talk to a lot of different people and you're not trying to like twist an agenda necessarily. You're just trying to talk about ideas, which is something that I really appreciate and I wish more people would do because that's what we need to do is we need to talk about these ideas without trying to twist it into some sort of agenda that's always the clickbait wars that we're fighting right now, I guess. And it's not always strictly ideological. I just love hearing myself talk, and it's really nice to have an excuse to do it. I like hearing Andrew talk. I actually cut out everyone else's clip and just play his voice. (laughs) Put me to sleep at night. It's like three in the morning, and his wife is like, Jordan, are you coming to bed? And he's like, no, I'm editing. Why do I hear Andrew talking? Is anybody else talking? I actually lower the volume so it's like he's whispering to me. Because I never actually whisper. (laughs) No, you don't whisper. I have hearing damage, so I'm just yelling all the time. Leah, this was a great episode. I really appreciate you coming on. Already know. Instant classic. Instant banger. banger, We know. Every episode's a banger, but every time we get off, we're like, yup, banger. That was great. (laughs) Well, I really appreciate you guys bringing me on the WW Firearm Wrestling Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Appreciate it. Before you go, we have to ask you, we ask our guests to leave us with a little nugget of advice or a hint of wisdom that you feel like sharing with the audience. It doesn't have to be gun-related, airsoft-related. It could be, but it doesn't have to. Just something that you think would benefit people. And go. Okay, my wisdom. Hmm. <laughs> something that I try to tell everybody, this is like, can be if you're trying to start a new podcast or you're trying to get into like being an influencer, like people ask me all the time, like, how can I do X? For me, I think the answer is to just live your life authentically, be you, be who you are and stop worrying so much about what other people think or what other people are going to say or what other people are going to do. Like, just be you and do the things that you enjoy and pursue the activities that you enjoy and Stop worrying so much about everybody else. Do you, man, woman, whoever, person. (laughs) Human being. I like it. I didn't mean to misappropriate anyone. (laughs) Alien, whoever you are. We are all humans on this podcast. Definitely not aliens or cops. (laughs) We should do more voices, more impressions on this podcast. That's what the show is missing. (laughs) Yeah. The only thing it's missing is us just being goofballs with different voices. Yeah, I'm on board with that 100%. Do you have any weird (laughs) voices before you go? I don't think so. You can't say that and not have one on deck, Leah. (laughs) That's the start of a new tradition. That's like showing up to a party and being like, you guys know what beer I really like? I love this Two Roads Brewery beer, yada, yada. And they're going to be like, did you bring it? And you're going to be like, no, I brought Bud Heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, that's me. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> All right. I guess just leave this episode with a disappointment, just just like my childhood. 
Anyway. <laughs> just like my career as an airsofter, I'm just a giant disappointment to so many people. Definitely my career as an airsofter. <laughs> my career has gone nowhere as an airsofter. So you, on the other hand, you're very accomplished and we are lucky to have you on. Again, I'd like sincerely, I appreciate it. It's nice to be able to talk to people that maybe not necessarily agree with me, but that are still willing to have a conversation with me. I really appreciate it. Even if we disagree with you, we're not going to be shitheads. Yeah, like, that's so nice. (laughs) (laughs) So nice not to be a shithead. That's the bar. (laughs) For real, that's the bar for me. You're nice to me, even though you don't agree with me. That's amazing. Yeah, that sounds like me at the bar. Somebody shows any interest in being nice to me. I'm like, do you love me? Are we getting married? Are we best friends now? You're speaking to me now? Anyway. That's why Carly doesn't let you go to the bar anymore. She knows I behave. I'm just... I go to like old man bars, though. I go to a cigar shop bar where dudes from Yale want to talk and stuff, and I can pass off as an intellectual. Dude, same. Dive bars are Oh, dive bars. My wife and I love dive bars. There used to be this dive bar. I don't know if it's there anymore. I promise we'll let you go after this. called Redwood. It was right around the corner from where we used to live. It had a pool table. There was like no more than six people in this bar at any given time. The bartender would test out new drinks on us. It was awesome. It was so divey. It was the same couple people there. Like every Friday night, we had a blast. Yeah, that's like my requirement for bars. It has to be a dive bar. If it's like a fancy bar, I'm not really that into. I mean, every once in a while, I'll be like, okay, I'll be bougie. But if I'm hanging out, dive bars are where it's at. That's where you meet the best people and get the best stories. I used to hang out at a bar walking distance from my apartment in Tempe called First Round. That was back when I still smoked. I smoked cigars. I would hang out on the patio and get shit-faced and talk to weirdos. That's the best, man. I dig it. Little did you know you were the weirdo. They said the same thing. <laughs> That's why the weirdos gravitated to me. <laughs> They're like, you are one of us. All right. Are we ready for the outro? Thank you, everyone, for listening to the A Better Way to a Podcast. We are your hosts, Andrew and Jordan. And thank you, Leah Del Castillo. My voice is getting <laughs> Anyway, thank you, guys. Can't only do that once per episode. Drop the ball there. You just got to really work on it. I really do. I got to work on my metal voice. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you, Leah, so much for coming on. Thanks, you. We will be in touch. And Bye, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, Miele. Bye.